0: everyone, I hope you've had a good week. Oh, it's lovely because the sun's been out for the last three days here. It's so lovely and the what I love, we've been going for walks, uh, one walk a day, and the crocuses are out. masses of daffodils, which is so beautiful, so beautiful. That's why Wordsworth wrote a poem about them, I guess. <laughs> but um, I hope you've had a good week. And we're slowly going to be coming out of lockdown, which is terribly exciting. But I've really been looking forward to today because my guest today is a really old friend. We've known each other. Gosh, I hate to tell you how long we've known each other. Probably 40 years. And um, she's a wonderful actress. She's a singer. She breeds Arabian horses. Oh, she does everything. She's extraordinary. And um, she's joining me today for tea. And it's the lovely Susan George. Well, this is really exciting for me because I'm talking to one of my oldest, best friends. We've known, i gosh, <laughs> I hate to think how long we've known each other, but it's a long time. And it's uh, it's Susan George. Hello, Susie. <laughs>
1: Hello, darling. <laughs> how are you? i 'm good thank you i 'm very good i 'm um, luckily very good and very um, very safe in the countryside a long long way from this has been well i don 't need to say this has been such a difficult time for so many people and i feel incredibly blessed for the place that i live and um, with my ninety five year old mother in law simon 's mum and uh. um I'm just I'm lucky. I'm lucky to be where I am. Just yeah,
0: I, really, I, really lucky. I I feel I feel the same actually because so many people have gone through such hardship and such sorrow this last year that you know sometimes you wait. You know, I get I get very frustrated because I can't see you know my my <clears throat> kids and my grandkids, and then I, I think that. you know why am I moaning? You know, I'm I I'm safe. I'm in a nice place. I've got a lovely garden, and. um you just have to see what's going on out there. But it does seem as though we're on, on the exit path. Please, God, yeah, it <laughs> doesn't does. it? It, like,
1: ab- it absolutely does. It absolutely does. And you know what I was saying to somebody this morning? I mean, I'm a great believer in life that many things are sent to us as life lessons. And we've learned a lot of life, life lessons through this through this tragedy through this terrible terrible time one is about our planet and looking after it and what we how we haven't looked after it another is looking after people and caring and caring about people in a in a better way than perhaps we did before the the phone calls we should make to the people we haven't spoken to for ages you mm. know all these things have been life lessons i feel and um also, what's really interesting is the mask wearing that we we are doing, which they've been doing in Japan, of course, and Oriental countries for years and yep. years. Um, I'm sure you've noticed, as I've noticed, that there hasn't been, there's hardly been anyone with a cold or a, apart from, no, not a thing.
0: In I think such it's a long the first time. winter that I haven't had a sore throat. and a, I, I, I haven't had flu for ages because I get a flu jab, but... I haven't had a cold. I haven't had a sore throat or anything because, no. yeah, you're right. And that's what, when I first went to Japan in 1968. I, you know, I thought they were insane on the underground, all wearing masks.
1: Absolutely. We
0: thought Absolutely. they were mad, but actually, they were really, really clever smart. because it really stops smart. whether you've got the cold or somebody else. It just stops transmission. Anyway. Before we go any further, because I've got lots I want to talk to you about, have you got your cup of tea? I have. As we're I having virtual <laughs> tea, because we can't be I in each got... other's company, sadly. But no, what, what kind of tea do you drink? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, dr-
1: I drink a brand, I, a distinctive brand. I drink M&S, gold, their gold tea. Oh, I've really? I've drunk it for years. Yeah, I've drunk it for years and years and years. It's the strongest. Um, for me, It's really. it's probably quite similar to Yorkshire tea. But it's, um, I love it. It's delicious and I've drunk it for years. And it's how do you have, do you have it
0: with like milk and sugar or milk and honey? I have it with milk and honey. Yeah. Yeah, I have it. I good. have my, if I have build, well, actually what I do, I have um, a, a English breakfast and um, Earl Grey mixed. Do you? Yeah, it's really nice. Well, Earl Grey on its own, I like, but it's a bit flowery. Perfumey. It's a bit yeah. perfumey, isn't so it? So if you put an English breakfast, I mean, I I, I usually have tea bags, but if, If I'm being really good, I'll have, you know, tea leaves, which are nicer, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just mix it. And it's really... Try it. It's really nice with honey and milk. I will try
1: it because I'm not a fan of Earl Grey, but I might like it if it was mixed.
0: I really might. Put more English breakfast than Earl Grey and just try it. It it just gives it a little kick. It's it's very, very nice. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds lovely. Do you know what? My mother...
1: My mum is that was the tea person, who Aww. really, really, and, and what's so so amazing, and I always think about it. I've written it, in. I'm, I'm doing my, my autobiography at the minute. I've been doing it forever, but I'm still doing it. And one of the things that, that, that really comes out of my mother that I remember, I will always remember, is that a cup of tea was the answer to everything. That's right. And she would, oh yeah, the answer to everything was in times of sorrow,
0: or jubilation, she would say. I put the kettle on. <laughs> my mum, mum, and dad were the same. Well, we're the we're exact. I'm actually a year older than you, so but we are the same generation. And I think we that are. that generation that was, as you say, I mean, my dad was the big tea drinker, but it was always a cup of tea in our house. Always. I mean, always. my mum. I, I don't. We well, we didn't have wine. Definitely. I think Dad had a, a beer at Christmas and my mum had a sherry. <laughs> that was, and we drank tea. We, we, That's right. We grew up on tea. tea. Tea was the big thing. I mean,
1: when you think about it, that coffee's become so important today yeah. and all the types of coffee and all the brands. And uh, Coffee was hardly ever mentioned in mm. our house. I well, can't the only ever coffee you got
0: was, it was like, I think it was called Camp Coffee and it was... Camp, oh,
1: Camp Coffee was
0: the chicory one. Yeah, that was it was the one...
1: horrible.
0: <laughs> we had that, somebody bought it in once and I tasted it and I thought it was the most disgusting thing I'd ever had. So I Just stopped... chicory, that's yeah. what's in Camp Coffee. That's it's right, a distinct flavour. You either
1: like it or you don't. Yeah, it's one of like those Marmite. Marmite coffees, yeah, definitely. Which but I love. The big, the big coffee house that I remember used to be one in Kingston and it was Kenco.
0: There were yeah, kenkos right, around.
1: Yeah, that's what I remember. That's but right. it wasn't. It wasn't a. It wasn't a regular thing. Now coffee thing.
0: places have taken over the world. <laughs> that yes, would have been definitely. the thing to get into twenty odd years ago. Oh,
1: hindsight's a wonderful <laughs> thing.
0: <laughs>
1: I agree. Somebody said to me, "I had a." Um, somebody sent me a message the other day. This is just a funny one, but it's true. I in. Um, In Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry, film I made with Peter Fonda, we all wear jeans in that movie. Everyone's in jeans. I'm in jeans. He's in jeans. All of us are wearing jeans. And somebody wrote to me and said, I bet you wish you'd had had shares in jeans, in denim in those days.
0: Yes, indeed. What What year was that?
1: Gosh. (laughs) Let me think. Was it after Straw Dogs? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it was. Yes, it was. Because
0: you did Straw Dogs with Well, Dust. I
1: was 21 when I did Straw Dogs, and I was 26 when I did Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry.
0: Okay, so in the mid, mid-70s. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. you worked with Peter Fonda in that and Dustin Hoffman in Straw Dogs. Sam Peckinpah directed it, right, Straw Dogs? <laughs> yes. What was yes, he, he, he like? Yes, <laughs> You're he laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I am, because... <laughs> well, he had quite a reputation, didn't he? He did. I'm, he was I'm, a very, very complex,
1: very complex human being in so many ways. Um, a lot of people talk about his. I mean, he had anger, a lot of anger in his in his heart, and yet there was there was a real soft side to Sam that not a lot of people saw. I mean, one saw that. I mean, he was. He was a very, as I said, a very complex character. You never knew what was going to happen next. Very unpredictable, very scary. Um, you just had to know how to handle him. And I cannot believe that at twenty-one years of age, I, I did handle him. I but had
0: you to. coped with that. I, I don't think I could, would have done. That would it would have scared me to death. I think
1: knowing you as I know you very very well, I don't think you would have. Either. I think I'd have run home to mum crying. I think you would have probably. I do. I do. I do. But no, I took him on, and um, there was there was there was a lot of war, um, and there was a lot of there was a lot of winning the war it was a, was a difficult one, um, not very much compromise, but but I'm I. I managed to manage him in the best way that I possibly could and I think from a from a artist's point of view um, again something that I write about very clearly I've just finished the entire chapter of straw dogs in my book oh, I mean, wow. beginning to end and I'll send it you you, oh, please do. you can,
0: Yeah, I will I will I'll give you my critique <laughs> well yes I'd love your <laughs> no, critique I'm joking. but it certainly tells you about the
1: man and how The complexities. It's certainly I spill all of that, if you will. And yet, the very last words that I say in the closing, in in the finale of the chapter, is that with all this trials and tribulations, and there were many, if I was asked to do it all again tomorrow, I would. You would. (laughs) So that's it's. You know, it was a great film. He was a great director. He had a fantastic vision.
0: Mm, How do you think he would have? dealt with all this kind of Me Too thing that's happening or has <laughs> happened, would he, would he have coped with that or? <laughs> No, 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 he wouldn't have coped with that at all. It
1: wouldn't have been... He was very macho, extremely, yeah. a man's a man, you know? Mm-hmm. And I get that, I is really
0: It's that old school. And I think, I may be wrong, I mean, I, I was... I, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't really come across that too much because... I think I was so protected because I protected. always had somebody... I was with, just going
1: to say, you did.
0: From the age of 16, I always had somebody with me. But I, did you come across that in Hollywood a lot, that kind of, you know, these people that we're now finding out about? I definitely had my encounters, without mm. doubt, um,
1: that um, are in my memory, mm. um, deep-rooted in my memory, but they are deep-rooted in my memory, and I have no intention of going back, only going forward, so... That's my feeling about all that. It really is.
0: But the good thing through all this is that I think it will eventually. Well, it has already changed, hasn't it? Because of it what's has changed, in the and last... it will be
1: better for people in the future, without doubt.
0: Yeah, without oh, doubt. Yeah, I, I which agree. Is,
1: which is the importance of things? That's what life needs to do: is teach us, teach us so we don't do it again.
0: I, I was just looking at things, all the things you've done. I mean, I know most of them, but, you know, just to refresh my memory. And I'd, I'd forgotten, both our dads were called Norman. I yeah, know. <laughs> <laughs> and we both, well, I didn't know about you, and we must have discussed it, but I didn't know, I was a shampoo girl in a hairdresser's. No. And it says in your one of your biogs that you were at 16, were a shampoo Girl, Uh, mine was was. only a Saturday job, I was at school. That is really funny. We could have opened a hairdressing salon together. (laughs) Why didn't we? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) No, I was. I I, that happened, I was 16, you're right. And I said, I was having a conversation with my mum about I was really lucky because I'd made so many lovely films and work was plentiful, which was just lovely and exciting. And then my mum and I were having a conversation one afternoon and I hadn't done something for about, I don't know, a few weeks. <laughs> and I said, um, this is, I'm, I'm thinking that I, I need to work, you know, I can't just, um, cause I'd bought my parents a house and, um, it was important to me that I kept up the mortgage and that I, um, that I had that responsibility at, at that age, At that age, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. And, um, I said to my mum, I, I need to go out and work, really. Um, I think the thing I ought to do, there's a job in, um, it was at, uh, the salon was called Mark Vidal's. Mark Vidal's in Maidenhead High Street. <laughs> and that's what it was called. And I said, I think I'm going to go and see if I can get a job at Mark Vidal's. I could do that because um, daddy, my father was a hairdresser and I had hairdressing in my fingertips. I used to cut hair for people just for fun. And so I said, um, I think I'll I'll go along and apply. So I went along. I remember this so, so vividly. I went along. I had a little tartan miniskirt I was wearing and and pigtails. (laughs) And um, and I went along and um, the owner, who must have been Mark Vidal, I guess he was Mark. I guess he was Mark. (laughs) And he said, um, ah, um, are you working here? As I walked in the shop. And I said, "Well, I, I'm hoping to." And he said, "Well, w- what do you do? What What's your experience? Do you do shampoo and set?" That's exactly what he said to me. And I said, "Being an actress and everything in life, every audition, you tell somebody you do it, whatever it is." Yes, right. I said, "Oh yes, I do shampoo and set. Absolutely." So. My mother had said to me, before you go today to Mark Vidal's, you need to remember, young lady, that you will spend the entire day making cups of tea and sweeping Sweeping the floor. That's what you will do. You'll be the sweeper, you'll sweep up, and that is all you will do. And very amazingly, I went home that night and she said, did you sweep the floor? And I said, no,
0: I didn't. I did 14 shampoo sets. (laughs) Oh well, I didn't get that far. I I I did only sweep the floor and shampoo people. Oh, darling! <laughs> but it, I was I I was a Saturday girl. It wasn't a. 40 you were night. Saturday girl. Oh, what I loved was the people while
1: I was shampooing hair in the sink. The people would say, "So, what do you do?" And I'd go, "Oh well, I'm an actress." And they'd say, "Oh, how lovely!" And I was chatting away, and washing these people's <laughs> hair. <laughs> so, how long did you do that for? I did it, I only did it for a month. One <laughs> month. A month. That's all, one month.
0: And then I got my next job, so it was okay. I could oh, come away again. So then you could leave. Yeah. When did you, what was your, how, you were really young when you started acting. Didn't you start as a child? Yeah, I did. What was your, how old were you, your first job? Well,
1: my first commercial, I was five, oh. my first commercial. So that was just because I was a reasonably pretty child, I guess. And my mum, I did a Horlicks commercial when I was very, very tiny. And then I did quite a few commercials um, before I... And then I went into... I then started... I did some lovely plays, television plays, when I was younger, which was really super. I loved loved that. I did a... You're making me think back now, but I did a, a couple of things that I remember as a child, as a child actress. I did a play, one of the Human Jungle series.
0: Oh, I remember um, those, yeah. Which
1: was was Herbert Lom, his series. And um, Judith Stott played the teacher, and I was a really, really dreadful pupil. (laughs) <laughs> very, uh, very naughty girl. And I remember that very well. I'm, I've got a picture of her with a cane in her hand. You wouldn't see that these days. Oh, no. A cane, no, a cane in her hand. And Judith Stott, I later on found out in life, was the wife of somebody I absolutely adored, and that was Dave Allen. Dave oh, Allen was, oh. yeah, Dave Allen was her husband. Oh. So that's one play I remember. And another was with a lot of beautiful leading ladies. Um, And I played the child with Jack Hedley in a play and it was all about this man and his his life with all these various women and Gemma Jones and oh just a whole beautiful list of actresses that I'd come to respect and know and I was the child in that too. So I did a lot of work when I was very young, a lot.
0: How old were you cuz one I really remember which I love and actually Lee was saying oh god Susie was so brilliant in that is Sp- Spring and Port wine was it called uh-huh. with James uh-huh. Mason yeah. wasn't it
1: yeah. yeah it was Spring
0: and Port wine I and loved so that So how movie. old were you in that In that I was 18 Yeah I'd say you were yeah. a teenager Yeah, And I isn't was isn't that the one the scene where you you're, you won't eat well, your meal the herring, and the herring he keeps serving up the herring day after day yeah day after day. You were brilliant in that I have to. It's a it's a good film actually. Thank you. Do you know I think it is because and I think it's really stood the
1: test of time. It's um really the what's lovely about it is it's a, there's a moral and I'm not always big on morals that films tell morals but in this particular film this was all about stubbornness. And it really was from the father figurehead, not listening to his kids and not listening to the mother and just making a stand about what he believed in and not listening to his family. or his And because of it, little by little, it all starts with the herring and him serving up the herring every day to Hilda and the fact that. Everybody gets upset about it. The two brothers get upset about it. Her sister, played by Hannah Gordon, Hannah got upset. Every, the mother drove herself to the... There's a, at the very end of the film, there's a part where the mother is about to throw herself in the river from the anxiety and, and the, the pain stress, yeah. of the stress of it all. It's really interesting. And basically, it's all about somebody's unwillingness to listen and communicate. And that's what it's about. And so at the end of the film... The important part is the lesson is learnt that he it's he it's a bridge too far when he realizes that his wife was going to commit suicide because he can't he can't learn he just pulls the whole thing together and this wonderful scene at the end that i so i think of to this day we all gathered round the piano and i sang i know my redeemer liveth and i remember that so clearly to this day and what an important part that was and how it, it still it still makes me emotional thinking think about the, the film. No, it's
0: it's a wonderful piece. If and if people can find it to watch. It is a, it, it's and it, it as you say, it stands the test of time. As good writing does.
1: Yeah, great writing. Bill Norton. It's got a great following out there. And a lot of people talk about it. And I believe there's an actual website all about
0: spring and port wine. I believe there is. That's lovely. Things like that must make you so proud, actually. They do. They really do. They really do. Especially working
1: with James. It's the first time I'd worked with James Mason. And then we went on to do another film together in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We shot a film called Mandingo. And he played my dad-in-law in that one. So I worked with him twice. And he was just such a...
0: He always came across... I, I never met him, but he always came across as such a, a gentleman. I bet he was, wasn't he? Gen- Old-school gentleman.
1: Old-school gentleman and genuine. There was not a bone in his body that was false. That was the man you saw, was the man he was, which was so, so lovely.
0: Now, you lived in L.A. for quite a few years, and I, I spent lots of time out there with you. Did Did you go out there looking for work or did a did a job take you out there and you stayed? How did, how did that all work for you? Straw Dogs took me out there to okay. begin with. So you were living in Great Britain and then you I got part was.
1: of I was. I was living um the house that I lived in with my parents in Raysbury, mm-hmm. I when I was twenty one, I was living with um um a singer called Jack Jones
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he and I bought the house 11 doors up the road from my parents because I wanted to be close, close to them. And so I was living with him at that time. And um, I went, he wanted me to go back and live in California. So I spent an awful lot of time. I I, I was there for 12 years. (laughs) Began very small. I went and spent time at his house in California. And we just, we came back all the time. I have to say, I kept... I kept that treasured key to my front door um, throughout <laughs> um, which was difficult to do because keeping up two houses was yep. difficult and i never thought you know in these days you'd say oh what a great idea rent your house out i never rented my house out i had a lovely lovely housekeeper who i absolutely worshipped and she stayed in my house and i came back from time to time when i was living in california
0: and i used to say that was for 12 years 12 years, gosh. I can't believe you were there for 12 years. Because uh-huh. we spent quite... A, I was trying to think of... I'm so terrible on time. But there was a period when I was living there and you were living there that we we hung out quite a lot together, didn't we? A lot. Well, do you remember we... Do you, Go on. Go do you remember on. we did that? <laughs> That sports thing for television. Oh my god. They yes. they they had a it was it was like um a competition, wasn't it? And they had the Americans versus the Brits. Us us it was called Us
1: or US against the world. Oh that's, that's right. And called. we yeah.
0: were we were the that we weren't in the US. We were in the British I am the most unsporty person I know. <laughs> <laughs> and what we do you remember we used to get hysterical with laughter because <laughs> the Americans were so Serious about, we did it because it was fun and it was a laugh. Absolutely. And, our and team... I can remember saying, I'm not doing that, I can't do that. And and, yeah, and people were saying, you've got to do it. And I said, no, I haven't. I can't do it. <laughs> you, I and, remember that well too. And, I, and do you remember they had a dartboard in one of the... um Tents. ...the kind of green rooms that you could go and sit. And we, you and I started playing darts on it because we were hanging around waiting to film. And one of the American teams came in and took the dartboard down and said, that's our dartboard. You Brits can't use it.
1: (gasps) (laughs) Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I do. It was very very competitive. We're not competitive enough when it comes to those things. Well, needless to say, the
0: Americans won, as they 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 should have done. They were brilliant.
1: (laughs) Do you remember our team? Because it's worth mentioning our team because it's hysterical. Do you remember our team? I remember our team.
0: Well, you're probably, you, me, Boy. Jane Seymour. Yeah. That's, I've stuck now. Roger Daltrey. Oh, was Roger, I, I talked to Roger three weeks ago. Oh, I Andy Gibb. Andy Gibb, I do remember. Andy oh, Gibb. Poor Andy. Um, Olivia Hussey. Oh, Olivia was in Olivia it. Olivia yeah, Hussey. Yes. Um,
1: Dickie, um, who was that lovely Richard Dawson? Richard Dawson.
0: Oh, yes. He yeah. had a, he had he used to do family fortunes in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely right. <laughs> he was really right. funny, if I remember. Yeah. And Robert Powell. Oh, Bob, yeah, yeah.
1: That's so him. our team was not exactly a. You wouldn't have looked at us as a bunch and said, "Wow, what, what a strong-looking bunch of English people!" <laughs> I know we um, were a
0: bit wimpy-looking. We of us, I we were wimpy, and we we knew we were going to lose, didn't we?
1: <laughs> I guess we kind of did. We can, and do you remember that I I we did basketball, and I didn't want to play basketball particularly because they were all very very they were huge, and there was a guy off. Um, Oh, he was off some television show. He was a really handsome guy, incredibly tall. All I remember is he bumped into me. Don't you remember I broke my arm? Oh, that's right. I broke my arm and I had to... We have a picture. I have a picture of me to this
0: oh, day of you all holding me up with this oh, sling. My God. on my I'd forgotten that. Oh, my God. Arm. I'll tell you, the things we get involved in are Yeah, mad.
1: definitely. And then you came... You came to, to live with me or to spend a lot of time with me. I put my little house on Woodrow Wilson Drive. Oh, with the that's what, I love that house. Pool. Yeah, yeah. That
0: was, yeah. They, yeah, they were happy, happy time. It is, I mean, there I have, you know, I've lived there like you have on and off in, in different scenarios in my life. Some happy, some sad, some, you know, very emotional. But um, I never saw it as my long-term home, so to speak. No. And obviously it. you didn't, because you came. When did you kind of come? Was it was it when you met your lovely Simon that you came back?
1: Yeah, we got married in 1984. And, and did you um,
0: meet in LA or in England? No, we met in England. Okay. We met in England at a
1: charity ball, but we um, we had stayed friends um, all the time. And when he had been in England, he had called me in America. And when he came over to America, we'd seen one another. Went. We'd we'd been friends for we had been like my best friend for a lot of years before we married for three years before we married, which I think is a real is a really special thing and a real bond for a relationship. It's great. Absolutely. I always I always feel I married my best friend. I really oh, do. And well, um, I think I think you did. And I'll never have another one like it
0: in my no, life. No, no. Sadly, that. Um, and talking about Simon. After he sadly passed on, what is 10 years ago now? Mm. Yeah, it mm-hmm. must be. 10 years. Um, you, you started the wonderful charity in his name, didn't you? Lasting Life. Lasting Do you want to tell me about that? or tell, I know about it, but tell our listeners. In, um, it took me ages
1: to to really, well, actually, in my heart, it took me seven years to actually feel my spirit again. Which is extraordinary, but it's the truth. Um, but in in he died in 2010, and in 2016, I decided that I just I had to do something. He was just so special and vital, and I needed to do something that would. Um, I wanted his name to be mentioned. I didn't want to forget his name, and I didn't want anyone else to forget it either. Mm. And um, I wanted to give. To do something that he would want to do, which is give back. That's all he would have wanted to do. He was the most unselfish human being I have ever met in my life. I mean, he put me first in everything. He he taught me a lot about selflessness, and he was just extraordinary. So in 2016, I decided I would, I would launch a charity, and it's called Lasting Life, the Simon McCorkendale Legacy. And I decided that I didn't want it to be a huge charity. I still don't. It's grown a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But um, I, I, I wanted it to be something where I could feel that there wasn't a vast amount of administration, that I would handle the administration best as I could, and that I would keep it tight and keep it as small as I could. I call it a small charity with a big heart. Mm. And this way, we would we raise funds for people um, for small individual cases or small organizations um one last year no the year before last because of course we didn't do it last year the year before last a lovely place called hannah's hospice which is um, a wonderful lady called pam who lost one of her daughters And they've set up a holiday home, a holiday home for people who need respite with their kids who have cancer. So basically, it's for the cruel, it's for those that are suffering, those that have the cruel disease of cancer. And anybody that needs help, I like to feel that we can actually, actually help. And I like to feel that whatever we have, it may be small, and maybe one day it'll be large, which is everything I would hope for, to be able to put it into someone's hands and actually see, it's used it's used and and that people benefit
0: well you've you've done brilliantly because i i i know how hard it is setting things like that up and running them and you've done amazingly and then what a month ago you you put online it's <laughs> it's kind of will you explain it because you did it well no it's it's, it's a brilliant shop <laughs> <laughs> it is a brilliant shop it is i
1: was well in this time of lockdown i'm i thought I was coming to the end of 2020 and all the different things that have happened within these years. And I, like you, in a strange way, I'm busier than I've ever, ever been in terms of things coming at me and working. And I thought, what can I do? Because we had had this wonderful, wonderful thing that you came to Mm -hmm. called Lasting Life Love Letters.
0: Yeah, it was brilliant.
1: You came to at the Dorchester Hotel and we did that wonderful event, live event, and we were planning to do another live event last year in 2020 because it was biannual so i'd done one in 2016 we skipped 17 and then we did 18 the one Mm -hmm. you came to us in 2018 so we were going to do one in 2020 and i was arranging a new venue where we were going to do it and obviously it got cancelled along with everything else and i thought how on earth am I going to raise money for this charity? How on earth am I going to fund and help and support people? What am I going to do? So I I honestly don't know where this came from, but one day I just thought I will have a go at opening a shop <laughs> online.
0: <laughs> oh, I'll open a shop. <laughs> oh, I'll open a shop.
1: <laughs> and I I promise you, I thought, well, I have a ton of clothes, obviously I do, from from my life um, that I've gathered. And some are really, really, really valuable. Some are very authentic and provenance things. Mm-hmm. We haven't got to that part yet. We've just got to the, the beginnings of this, but I intend for it to grow and I intend for those things to come into it, the important things and memorabilia and posters and all those things down the line. And I should be Ringing your doorbell, young lady, constantly
0: (laughs) to help me. I say you've had loads of people, lots of very well-known people. I have. It's it's just very generous. How, if people want to look at it, what do they? How do they get into it?
1: Well, that was the interesting thing. I was, I was trying to think of. I was trying to be really clever with a name, and I went through all sorts of names. I went all over the place with names, and I was sitting at my desk one day, and for no reason whatsoever, I wrote down a capital M. And then I wrote a small Y. And then I wrote a capital T and a, and things, my things and others. That's what it's called. My things and which is exactly what it is. But it it just came to me, it was really interesting. And that's what it is. mythingsandothers.com. Um, my things and, and I'm always saying the dot com bit on when I do my little my little blurbs on Twitter and things, and I keep having to apologize for it, but at the moment We are, I expect we're, you know, we're way down in the search engines. We don't have a lot of recognition yet. Of course we don't. We've only been going one month. I launched on Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day meant so much to Simon and I. So that's the day I launched. I launched the charity on Valentine's Day. And I so don't...
0: you're not busy enough with your your horses, because I have to tell you, we haven't even got to your horses yet. How many horses have you got? I've been running out of time. <laughs> no, but I'm just, you know, it makes me laugh because you you take on so much and you do it and you do it well. That's what's amazing. I mean... The Arabian, you you raise Arabian, Georgian Arabian horses, right? You breed them. I, I should breed say. Arabian
1: horses. I do. I do indeed. I've got thirty at the moment. <laughs> and stop it!
0: <laughs> Just makes me laugh. Oh yeah, I've got thirty. Most people have a dog or a kitten. Susan George has thirty Arabian horses. <laughs> but, I mean, it's amazing. You're you're a top breeder. What how did you get into cuz you didn't you used to breed red setters I do I did and I have a an a baby now i
1: have I know, got a 6 Martha, month old i'll
0: mm, tell you picture. she's gorgeous But i did
1: i i think i'm an adventurer twigs and
0: <laughs> <laughs> You can say that again So tell us I how am. how did you what did you just wake up one day and let's let's breed hawk because I have to say, in the interim, you also produced three, four, five, six films, five, didn't five you? Five movies. Five movies you and Simon. Simon. So it's not like you had a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I never have. <laughs> well, they say, don't they? Ask a busy person. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Ask anyway, a busy person. How did the Arabian breeding start, the horse breeding? Well, I've always loved
1: horses. Um, I've always loved horses. I was a rider when when I was five years old. I was on A Little Pony seen in Chobham Common with my mum and um, so I've always loved them and when I moved, when I was in California, um, I had a beautiful mare in California and I kept her at a ranch, I actually kept her at at someone, my darling Olivia Newton-John, I kept her at Olivia's house at her ranch up in Malibu and I used to, because I was working all the time and I was so um, tangent life was just constantly i was on the move all the time we're gypsies us people yeah we're all gypsies and i was on the move all the time and i felt that every time i came back to this field where and and to olivia's and to see her this mare, because they do because they are incredibly emotive horses they have a real feeling a real deep feeling for people they love people and they love communication And this mare, I would go and I would call her from the fence and she'd spin round and her mane would fly in the air and she'd charge across the field to be right there at my side. And I thought, oh God, one day I just got this feeling that I can't do this to you. I can't do this to you. It's so unfair. You need somebody who can give you the time and the attention and the one-to-one relationship that you really want to have. And I really knew that. And so I made a big decision. I gave her away to a journalist friend of mine, an Australian journalist called Colin Dangard. And I said to Colin, he was an endurance rider, and I thought she would be a wonderful (laughs) endurance horse. That's long distance riding. And I said to Colin, I'm going back to England for a long while now. I'm going back to England for an eight-month movie. And um, I can't do this to Shatsy anymore. That was her name, Shatsy. And I said, I can't do it to her anymore. Um, I'm going to, I want to give her to you. Will you take her, Colin? Well, he was over the moon, over mm-hmm. the moon. And I just had our first foal. So there was Shatsy with a little foal that I'd called Kelly's Star. Oh. And so I gave him Shatsi and Kelly Star, and they stayed with, with Colin in the Malibu hills until they were old and grey. So oh, it's a wonderful lovely. story. But then Simon had said to me, one day when we go back to England and when we're in one place for a period of time, we are going to go out and look for that mare all over again for you. And oh. you're going to have that life when you can really dedicate time to it, you know. And so when we came back to England we, to do our production company, it's mm-hmm. at that time we came back. We took offices at Shepparton Studio. We decided we wanted to go behind the cameras instead of in front. Mm-hmm. And we were we were at the studio most days. And he said, now's the time for your enjoyment. Now's the time to start looking. So I did. I absolutely scoured the country and I found this Arabian mare that I really wanted and for a while kept her at a stables on her own, at a livery stables for a long time and that's where I bred my first foal, at the livery stables. And you talk about doing everything, Twig, at the same time, you'll love this. We We were producing a film at the time called Stealing Heaven and we were in we were in post-production and we had a lot of work to do in post-production so I was so concerned about this foal coming that we weren't going to get to see it (laughs) (laughs) that Simon and I took a Winnebago and we parked it outside the stables and we ran our office from the
0: Winnebago (laughs) (laughs) and I did see her born (laughs) oh that is so lovely That's where it began.
1: Yeah, it is where it began. And when I lost Simon, Twig, oh, my God, when I lost Simon, I had 67 Arabian horses when I lost
0: Simon. I know you did. Mm-hmm. And so That's a lot of... I, I mean, I don't know how you've taken that on. I don't know how you cope with 30, let alone 67. <laughs> well, you do what you do, you
1: know. When that happened, when that happened to me, I suppose, you know, it was so devastating mm. and... I suppose if we'd had any other kind of hobby, and it was a hobby, an extravagant hobby, and had we had any other kind of hobby, like cars or golf or any yeah. of the things that people do as couples, I would have immediately given it all up. I would have gone, right, well, or sold the antiques or sold the cars or whatever. But this was my family. These were my kids. and i brought them into the world. and I say, I... you get so
0: emotionally involved yeah. with them, don't you? Yeah,
1: and I felt very, very responsible. And I have to say, without doubt, without shadow of a doubt, it is my horses that brought me through the darkest years.
0: I was, I was just going to say, you took the words out. They actually saved you in the end, I think. They did. Because, they did. you know, they was, you were so important to them. And so it you know, right. get, getting through those very, very difficult years, which you've done brilliantly, I have to say. Thank you, darling. And um Thank you. And now you've got little Martha, your I'm, little And now I've got little Martha, I oh, have. You sent she sent Susie sent me a picture of this little <laughs> red setter. She is so gorgeous. She is gorgeous. Is she is she naughty? Like you said oh, she was a bit naughty. She's incredibly naughty. I I
1: don't know if it's my memory that I just don't remember my other puppies being naughty, but I
0: think this is the naughtiest. Because I can remember coming over to you and Simon's, I think it was when I'd first met Lee, my husband, and we came over to your house in Raysbury, Mm -hmm. and you had a few red setters there, because I remember one of them, a big one, because it made me really laugh, because it used to sit with its bum on the sofa and its legs on the ground. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. (laughs) Sit down like a human being. Like, and look, and join in the... Com- every, everyone was talking. It would look... I could right. His, I do, yeah, absolutely. Do you remember which one that was? Oliver. It was his, Oliver. Oliver, that's right. Oliver. It was Oliver. It was Oliver. Oliver was definitely a quarter human. He was. He was a quarter human. And so I had... F- that time I had... Mm. I,
1: I grew... I had five eventually. And I had five for a long time because I couldn't part with them. See, it's a terrible thing. I have... That's the difficult thing about, about breeding and about loving is really difficult to part with. I, I think, know. If it had been antiques or cars, you don't get emotionally you involved. Don't, you see. don't get emotion. And what's wonderful about, about the Arabians now is that I'm really, through my life and through this time, since I got my spirit back, um, and I'm finding a sort of I feel like it's a bit universe. I don't want to be um, spiritual, but or I do, I do feel it's that's something to do with the spirits, but I feel the right people are coming to me all the time for the horses, wanting horses, and that I'm doing a lot of teaching and how to work with and how to communicate, because they're terribly easy to communicate. You just have to know. You just have to know Arabian horses. They are the most most intelligent horses in the world, and the trouble is for them as a breed that the intelligence gets mixed with temperament. People oh. think they're highly strung and temperamental, and they're not highly strung and temperamental. They are actually incredibly, incredibly intelligent.
0: Do you ride every day? I don't now, Poppet.
1: No, I don't. I don't. I have, what? I'm running a shop. <laughs> I am. Ru- I am running a shop. 24-7, I can't ride every day <laughs> at the moment, no, no. And you, to go back to that shop for a second, and as you rightly say, people have given, you've given me, Olivia has given me, my really dear friends have given me such an amazing gift for this, I'm completely floored with the, the imagination, it seems to have struck a chord with people's imagination about giving something of themselves to attract something that will 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 at the end of the day be help other people help other people
0: I do think in our profession though people are very oh, Well, number one they love you and oh. and they loved simon and and but i think I think our profession are very generous Terribly when it gen- comes incredibly to incredibly generous incredibly generous i
1: Dame Judi Dench has given me the dress that she wore to the Oscars.
0: Wow. That is that is generous. That is
1: her donation, which is just extraordinary. When I called her up and we had a conversation, she said, do you think, would this be lovely, darling? And I said, this would
0: be just unbelievably lovely, Judy. I can't tell you. That, That is amazing. And so
1: there's lots of things like that. Bradley Walsh has donated three gorgeous, gorgeous suits and... 15 shirts um <laughs> I, 15 shirts I was seen ironing them the other evening I never thought in <laughs> the world I'd be ironing it's one thing I never thought about I must talk to Donna about his gorgeous wife I never thought I'd be ironing Bradley Walsh's shirts but I was that's and so um, funny. Charles Dance has given his shoes from Game of Thrones brilliant oh yeah. that's Brilliant! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then with and, the. And oh, provenance. Cliff Richard, Cliff, my lovely Cliff, you know Cliff. Yeah. Cliff um, said he's away at the moment. He said I'm sending. I'm going to send you a, a suit, and he's. He, and I got a. Pi- I was sent a picture of it. it. Looked lovely, but when it arrived, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! It is a black silk dinner suit with mm. a mandarin collar all in diamantes and the <gasps> waistcoat inside. It's just gorgeous. And oh, he has brilliant. signed it inside on the
0: pocket. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is... Well, if, if there's any Cliff Richard fans listening, get on that website. Isn't that true? <laughs> what I'm doing... What it, it's good that you bring that up because
1: what I'm doing, there's there's some lovely things. I mean, Jesse Wallace from... EastEnders has donated her one of her cat outfits, which is just gorgeous. I was going to say one of her cats. Oh, yeah. one of <laughs> No, one of our cat outfits. And um, loads of people like that. I'm probably, I'm forgetting people because there's been so many, so oh, many. Julian lovely. Clary has just given me something. There's been so many twigs. And as I say, I go well, back to Well, as you. I
0: said, people love you and they love Simon and it's for a wonderful, wonderful cause. Wow. And the fact that you're doing it yourself. You know, all charities are for a good reason but some of them are so big I think I think people like it when it's very personal and it's a small charity because then hopefully the money you know where the money goes and you know I think in some of the Bigger ones, you're never quite sure whether it gets lost or gets caught up in administration. But I know for a fact that you told me yourself you wrap and post these <laughs> items to people yourself. I do. We have a wrap. My dining room. So there's is no, the money wrapping room. Right? No, no money going to administration, right? No money going to administration.
1: I'm in the wrapping room with my assistant, and we we wrap together. Yes, we do. I've got a lovely volunteer who helps me also, who used to be my housekeeper years ago, and she comes oh. and wraps on a Wednesday. So we we
0: have a little team going, and it's um it, it's you know. a different meaning to the word rap.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a very big difference. A
0: very big. And let me say that the these very special things. Or I could say that Susie's become a rapper. You could, <laughs> you could. I'll have a go at that too if you want me to. <laughs> well, I have to say you've got a gorgeous voice. If people don't know that you oh, you have job. got a gorgeous voice, oh, but uh, I've never heard that. you rap.
1: <laughs> no, I've never, I haven't rapped yet, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. Well, what I did first. want to say is that the some of those very, very special gifts and and things that I've been given, like Judy's, will be auctioned on the website. They, I, were, I we're go, yeah, we're going to run an auction. We're going to do it. By each month yes. a special you told item told me that and i month. think
0: that's a really good idea because when they're that special like charles dances shoes from yeah signed, signed yeah yeah so you, you then because they're very very special items okay. before we go because we i could i could sit here all afternoon but before mm-hmm. we go i just wanted you did i because i watched it and i loved it you went to india as a a participant in the Real Marigold Hotel. How was that? Did, did you fall in love? Was it your first time in India? Oh
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely,
0: absolutely. And I, I was shocked that I said yes. But I, <laughs> I was, I was surprised <laughs> when ben you there well. because you're such a private person. But I thought, oh, that's interesting. It was a brilliant show. I loved it. Well, bless you. I, I loved. I mean, the experience was
1: phenomenal. It was a, it was for me a life a life experience that I will never ever ever forget.
0: I think I think India does that to you actually. I'm sure it
1: does. I loved it. I loved the people I met. I loved the fact that everybody smiles when they have so little. Yeah. And it just it it just they embrace everything. And they embraced us as people and as friends and it was just such a wonderful experience going to the to the kitchens where they make a, a thousand plates of food a day and mm. give them in the gold, the Golden Palace they give up and we went into the back kitchens and we helped make the food those experiences I will never ever ever forget in my life and you know what I think I don't think I know it was that time that released in me my spirit for adventure and knowing I had so much still left to do
0: that's interesting So have you found it hard through, you know, not being able to travel over the last twelve months? No, no.
1: To be honest, I haven't because I'm a real homebody. You're so busy
0: rapping. Yeah, I'm so busy (laughs) rapping these days. (laughs) (laughs) No, and also you are very busy. I mean, I haven't. I I must say, I haven't actually missed traveling because I've been traveling so much. It's actually been. great thinking oh I haven't got to go there because I can't no
1: no I think that
0: I'd hate the thought that we could never travel again but I I don't I don't think that'll happen I, I hope it gets to the point where it's manageable I don't I mean I don't think it'll ever go away completely but it'll become manageable
1: I think it will it will become manageable sweetheart it's just um it's but it. but I have enjoyed this time and I'm sure there's so many people that haven't. And so many people have been through tragic circumstances. Yeah. And I hate the thought of people not being able to be with their loved ones. And for you, you know, I don't, you and your kids and your family and your grandchildren and all of that. I,
0: that I, that's, it, that's the hard thing for us, not seeing them. I can, it, I can it, understand. it tears me apart. But then I think, listen, I'm I'm lucky. I'm here. I'm fine. We are and lucky. And, you know, we've got each other. We're in a nice environment. You do, and many, I love your husband people. to pieces. And I'm nothing <laughs> makes me
1: happier. I really, really mean this. I've, um, you know, there's Olivia out in America, and she has found her absolute love and soulmate in John. Oh, I'm
0: glad. Yeah,
1: and you have found yours in Lee. Oh, and yeah. Nothing makes me happier than to think Thank of that, honestly. Yeah, I
0: was, we, we were both very lucky to meet when we did, actually. It's been nearly th- well 36 years oh, wonderful. amazing one that's the only scary thing it goes so fast it does <laughs> go so fast but you know what the one thing i think i
1: mean of course i i miss my my beloved every single day there's not a day goes by but what i also think i do think about being lucky in life i really do and for me i'm just i feel incredibly lucky that i had 28 years yeah of his life i say
0: you had those happy years together Absolutely. and some people never some have people that, never so. have that in a
1: lifetime so i feel right. incredibly incredibly fortunate
0: so when when's this book going to come out or is, is it a long time oh, off god well, listen, you're asking me to do something else, are you? Come on. Are you really got time on your hands? Get writing. Get writing and rapping.
1: <laughs> writing and rapping, yeah, very good idea. And horse ride and all the and other things. And horse ride. No, it's true.
0: I have spent... It's a work in progress,
1: isn't it? It is work in progress. And the one thing that, before I lost Simon, in the last year of our lives together, which we had obviously no idea was going to be, yeah. I know that he said to me, "He he said this this book was more important to him that it came out than it ever was to me." He just kept saying to me, "You have so many stories of your life. Your life has been such a colorful." It's an extraordinary life, mm-hmm. and he said that the stories are, are just too good not to not to share, mm-hmm. Susie. So you have to promise me that you'll do that, and I, and I did. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was. But I I will. That's the important thing. Eventually I'll finish it, but I don't have yeah. time at this very moment.
0: No, I understand. Anyway, there's you know, there's no rush, rush, but- No, it... there isn't, there isn't. But what I am thinking of doing, which is really
1: interesting, and um, you've done your own, so, and they're beautiful. But what I am thinking of doing right now, and I am finding time for, is I'm putting together um, a, a picture-driven book, much more like a scrapbook, a scrapbook of anecdotes pieces of my life to go with the pictures to go yeah. with the pictures and I'm going to do that in a coffee table and pe-
0: book people love that we do I did it when they did an exhibition of my photographs at the National Portrait Gallery you know it was, I remember I went there it was meant to be with just you. an exhibition but then we said well maybe we should turn it into a book Absolutely. because you know and people love it because you can do little stories with each photograph that's what and, I want to do that's exactly what you've I got so many you must have so many photographs. It's just it, it's it's the time and effort of sorting it all out. Oh,
1: I know. I've got cupboards upstairs in my house that are full of photographs. Fortunately, yeah. Simon was a great because he was so such an organizer and um, real really fantastic at pulling everything together. I have these wonderful picture books that we had through our lives. I hope you've done the same, you two. We did he would pick yeah, up we have. he would pick up we'd be sitting at a table and he'd pick up a little box of matches or a, a something and it would all go in the book. We've got these books upstairs. I've got them since nineteen my books go from nineteen seventy three till now. Wow. Picture yeah. books. Picture books. All of memories and stories and so that's I've got all that to to
0: Oh do to it. Use. Brilliant. Thank you, darling. I will Well, I think we better rap. I think we better rap
1: too. <laughs> Rap's come into this conversation quite a lot, isn't it?
0: You want to rap with me so that I'll get back <laughs> rapping, I guess. We found a new talent that you never knew we you. We have, had. darling. You can come down and help me rap any day of the week. Okay, we'll we'll rap together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for talking to me having tea with me <laughs> I loved having tea with you and I love you and you know that oh, I do I love you too and I'll talk to you soon
1: you will darling God bless Take care. you
0: keep you safe love okay. you bye bye oh that was so lovely catching up with Susie we've known each other for so long and she's quite a force of nature I mean her acting career and now raising Arabian horses and she's got five foals arriving hope I can go and see them anyway I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I did and we're going to have a little break now we'll be back very soon for a new season but I want to take this chance to wish you all a very happy Easter lots of lots of chocolate and Easter bunnies and daffodils yeah that's nice nice thought to go off with I'll see you soon take care bye If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. You just heard a Stripped Media Production.